Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me. Of course, great to see you again. You're still in Japan. Yes, I'm in Japan. You're in yeah. California, are you? Yeah, I'm right in the middle of the like wildfires and heat wave and like there's all sorts of things going on right now. Thank you so much for sharing your time out of this situation. Um, can you give us a, a self-introduction about yourself and dandelion chocolate? So my name is Greg Dallasander. I'm the chocolate sorcerer at Dandelion Chocolate. Uh, my official title is the chief sourcing officer, but uh, you know, I've always wanted to be a sorcerer my whole life. And um, as long as you get to choose your title, you might as well choose a title of sorcerer. Um, uh, um, basically what that means is my primary job is, is, is finding the cocoa that we use um, to, to um, make our chocolate. Although I guess the way I, 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 I usually think about it is finding the cocoa producers we want to work with and then, and then we get cocoa. Um, uh, um, and so, um, uh, I also I also do a number of other things at Dandelion, but that's kind of my primary job. Dandelion Chocolate is a is a um, uh, company that started in 2010 in San Francisco. Um, we uh, we focus on two ingredient chocolate, um, just cocoa beans and sugar. Uh, um, I, a lot of cl chocolate classically has like other things added to it, extra cocoa butter or less than things like that. And we really kind of wanted to explore the space of um, two ingredient um, chocolate. Uh, we focus also on single origin, so beans just coming from one place. Um, and up until relatively recently, our, our focus was also on sort of chocolate bars, although we started doing chocolate chips. Um, we just got a lot of press for our chocolate chips, which are this, um, we're, we're designed by an industrial designer who um, now works for Tesla. Um, uh, we, 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 we like to think deeply about things. Um, uh, we, have, um, we also do a lot of retail. We do sort of experiential retail during a pandemic. It's a little challenging. Um, but in general, uh, I think part of what we're looking for is engaging with our customers and so they can see what we're doing. We aren't, you know, uh, um, it's, it's the opposite. I hate to say this. I hate to ruin people's perspectives. It's the opposite of Willy Wonka where like there's this like factory that was like closed off to the public and you had this like image in your head of what was going on inside. Like there, there's, you, you know exactly what's going on in our factories. You can walk into them and see um, for yourselves. Uh, um, not that it's not as cool as Willy Wonka, but it's just like, <laughs> it's not secretive as Willy Wonka. Um, uh, no, nobody's, nobody's stealing things off of our production line to bring to our competitors. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, uh, so yeah, and, and so um, we have locations in the United States, but also in Japan. Mm -hmm. um, we've done a pop-up in uh, Taiwan as well. What, what were of the 2010 class of chocolate, of craft chocolate? Um, uh, craft chocolate really kind of got started in 2005, 2006, um, mm -hmm. but there was a number of makers who also started in 2010, of which we are one of them. Um, and so uh, it's, it's fun. It's almost like high school classes or college classes together where, you know, you kind of like know the kids in your same class. Right. You know? yeah. How many kids are there? Like you said, 2005, six people, and then the 2010. It, it basically went, there was the like 2005, six, and then the 2010, and oh. then 2012, 13, it just started becoming like oh. more chocolate makers all the time. It's funny to think of Dandelion as a 10-year-old company because it still yeah. seems like we're just 
kind of getting started, building, trying to figure out what we're doing all the time. Spirit, like in every aspect of what you do, I think. Um, are you in Series E or F ish by now? We um uh so so it's kind of complicated. Um uh the um we did sort of a first round of angel investing. Right. Um, and then we, uh, and then sort of after the round of angel investing, we mm -hmm. essentially brought in, uh, um, uh, still friends and family, but friends and family with more money, um, to invest. And so we're, um, uh, we are doing some fundraising right now. Um, mm -hmm. I think technically it's going to be C round is I think what we're calling it. Right. Um, so in Dandelion, I know there's a lot of tech background people. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, is that... Including myself. Yeah. <laughs> so is that a characteristic thing of Dandelion or is there like similar background people in the industry? Um, oh, that's a good question. And, and I mean, I would say the people who started Dandelion have a tech background. Mostly the people we've hired, we've hired in, into the jobs that like we have a lot of food science people now who you know in the chocolate making side of things the people on the retail side of things who are hiring baristas and you know like people who have run coffee businesses before and like so so while we we started essentially the the people who started the company started it with tech background what mm -hmm. who we're hiring these days is not necessarily as techie um that being said uh i would say um, in the craft shop industry, not necessarily. There are other people with tech backgrounds. There's um, uh, Fresco up in um, Northern Washington. Um, he's an electrical engineer or uh, process engineer. Um, so there's definitely people with sort of um, engineering backgrounds. I would say in general, chocolate making is about problem solving. Mm. Like all of chocolate making is problem solving. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that there's lots of problems, but there are. Um, uh, it, and so like, and it's problem solving of like flavor and texture and this machine's working and tempering and how to create a business. And so I think it attracts people who like problem solving, which sometimes that is going to be sort of engineering type people, but it, I think it's just in general problem solvers. Um, and so I, I, I'm continually impressed at how intelligent everybody I meet in the craft chocolate industry is. Mm. Um, because it's just like, it's something that um, you don't, like as opposed to other industries where people will get into it because they think they can make a lot of money. I don't think anyone's getting into craft chocolate because they think what they're gonna do is make a ton of money. Right. I think right. they're getting into it because they, they think it can be a viable business mm. and they think it can be something they really enjoy. Um, right. But what that means is that you still have um, and I say this because like, I'm, I'm quite old at this point. And you know, when I started in the tech industry, the tech industry was, 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 uh, you know, it was, it was people who liked tech stuff. It was geeks for the most part. Right. Um, and, um, over time it shifted into people going into the tech industry because they knew they could make a lot of money in the tech industry. Right. And, um, and it was interesting, like you could, you could see the shift in that. You could see the shift in sort of the personalities of people who were in the industry, who originally the people who were in it were just kind of like trying to figure out how to solve interesting, you know, technical challenges. Right. Um, I, I read a paper at one point about how like the, the tech industry 
early on um, was e was was equal men and women, or even potentially more women than men. Like when I say early on, like the eighties, um, uh, um, and and it shifted over time because it turned into more of a sort of like it, it, um, it, it, it a culture around geekiness more than a culture around problem solving. And I would I would argue that in the craft chocolate industry, we're still a culture around problem solving. Um, okay. uh, yeah, it's, isn't that interesting? Like I was reading this and I was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense and it's totally fascinating. Yeah. Is that like when you shift away from what you're trying to do is just like, because early on in the tech industry, what you were trying to do was solve problems for how to essentially make people's lives better. Sure. Computers were about making people's lives better, making things easier for people, etc. So it was all of this, it was a lot of this kind of like problem solving about how to make things better for people um and not to not to generalize what sort of women and men are interested in but um but i think it, it and then the tech industry sort of shifted into this um you know the 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 technology for the sake of the technology not technology for the sake of people like thinking of problem solving i think this is the time where everybody has to problem solve in their own way um can you give me some examples from the craft chocolate market uh, maybe starting from what you guys do specifically. You know, Dandelion has to sort of pivot to try to figure out, like we were really heavily invested in retail. Um, uh, and I think retail eventually will come back. Mm -hmm. but, the, but the question is, what is eventually? And so I've been working pretty closely with um, all the sort of different parts of the company to mm -hmm. sort of figure out different revenue streams. And mm -hmm. we've, um, we, uh, uh, our online store has done really well, um, mm -hmm. and we just we've launched a number of chocolate experiences. So online experiences where you can get like a kit in the mail. Mm -hmm. um, we have one for our ingredients class. You get a kit with these like twelve different ingredients that go into chocolate, and you get to like, but but then it's a live Zoom class. So as opposed to like you get a kit and then you do a video, mm -hmm. the idea is that there's this like live Zoom class, and so there's a real instructor um, mm -hmm. who can sort of like walk you through you know all of the things that uh that, that are in it so those have been pretty good we're, we're launching a make your own truffle class in a couple of weeks mm -hmm. as well so people okay. will get a kit in the mail of like chocolate and nibs and you know ground chocolate and then we walk them through um over zoom we walk them through how to make truffles and so things like that have been really good for us Oh, that's good. No, so I, I had an image of you like traveling around the world, you know, like sa saucing all the beans and such. So I was wondering how you were doing. But yeah, I mean, I mean <laughs> that, that image is accurate most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I also honestly like uh, um, most of the people I know who do sourcing, you know, it's like a lot of the uh, the smaller communities haven't been hit like like right. rural smaller communities have been hit as heavily with the pandemic the last thing you want to do is be an infection vector you know sure. and so um i i think for that reason a lot of people i know have been uh have been very cautious about doing any sort of traveling because the last thing you want to do is and and a lot of the smaller communities in the cocoa world um just haven't been letting anybody else in you know i'm literally like barricading roads and just saying like well yeah. <laughs> You know, we'll we'll just stay to ourselves for the next you know couple of months, year until this this sort of passes. Right, um, right. But it should have been. Um, I can imagine it should have been something you know like a re reassuring thing that you th that they have their own 
relationship to you guys compared to like bringing it to the market and if it wasn't totally. the market it would have been such a risk to just go to the market do everything you know in that kind of rule yeah but i think yeah the the resilience of the system that you've uh created has been shown at this kind at this kind of time which i feel yeah. very interested in mm -hmm. yeah i mean i i think that that's true that the, we we're running into a challenge and this is one of the things like one of the main things is that we try to do is we try not to be the the only buyer of someone's cocoa yeah because it puts them in a very sort of risky position of their mm -hmm. business mm -hmm. where if we're the only buyer what it means is something like a pandemic happens and on the one hand um it was really good that we we have always or at least for the last six years seven years mm -hmm. tried to keep about one year's worth of cocoa yeah. um uh just in case because like some of the people we're working with can't produce this year right um the the pods are producing but it takes money to produce and they might they don't and like they don't have the money um for other people uh we have enough of the beans and so we aren't buying from them this year and so um but interestingly most of the people i've spoken to have said this year hasn't actually been so bad for them for coco which has been which has been good like for the people who have been able to produce they yeah. largely have been able to find buyers for most of their cocoa 